Welcome to the teaching ministry of Temple Baptist Church. While we hope you can join us in person, our prayer is that this message will encourage you to love God and serve Him in a deeper way. I am not too sure how to start. I had some people who lightheartedly poked some fun at me this week. They were saying, Donald, you know, we can imitate you. I said, oh, really? And I listened. Oh, when they got me. They said, this is how you start every service. This is exactly what I said. Good morning, everyone. So good to see you. Thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for sharing part of your weekend with us. Hey, if you're visiting today, we just want to let you know that we're, we're, we're really excited to have you. And if you haven't been here in a long time, my name is Donald. I'm one of the pastors. I was like, I say that every week? Yeah, you say it every week. So, I don't know what to say. I have been told that imitation is the greatest form of flattery, but I don't think it's true in this case. I do know that it can be very hard to get up Sunday mornings. Uh, that it can be challenged to get up and get ready and get out the house and get to church. And it seems like on Sundays there's more challenges that are thrown in our face than any other day of the week. It would be so easy, wouldn't it, just to hit snooze, sleep in, have a late breakfast, and a relaxing morning. But you folks chose not to do that this morning. And I just want to say uh, thank you for, for being here. And I realize not everybody's here for the same reason. Some people are here because you really want to be here. Some people are here because, let's be honest, you were dragged here, right? Uh, some of you are here because you were bribed. You were told that somebody would take you out to lunch if you met them at church today. Uh, others are here for other reasons. Some are checking to see if there's single girls or single guys here in our church. There are others here that are checking out to see if the stuff that we're talking about is real. You're kind of wrestling with God, who he is, and what does he want for my life. Uh, some of you may be here because you're a little skeptical. Well, wherever you fall in the spectrum, I do want to say we are very happy to have you here. There's no greater place to bring your doubts and your skepticism and your questions than right here. I also want to welcome our online, online audience who are joining us live. It's amazing how we get to have this opportunity to be in people's homes, literally around the world. And so we're so grateful for uh, technology. Well, three weeks ago, we began this series called Worst Advice Ever. And, and you helped me shape this series. Uh, because of the cards that you filled out, uh, we were able to put it in three categories. Most people said they received bad advice with their finances. Uh, the next one was people had received bad advice um, with relationships. And then there were some people that said they had received bad advice concerning spiritual things. In the last two weeks, we kind of dealt with, with finances. We tried our best to give you some helpful truths in, um, in money management and, and to our surprise, the Bible has a lot to say uh, about the Bible, and not just about giving. There's a lot to say just about money management and the dangers of debt. Well, today we're going to take a different direction. We're going to deal with relationships, and some of you, again, shared some really interesting tidbits about relationships. I thought I would share a couple. 
some of the worst advice you'd ever receive. Marry him. <laughs> Should have known better. That's what it says. By the way, nobody wrote their names on any of these cards, so. Uh, worst advice ever about relationships? He'll change after the wedding. Probably not true. Hey, you need a baby. That will fix your marriage problems. It only made things a little more complicated. Here's one. Hide my addictions from my wife. What she doesn't know won't hurt her. Uh, follow your heart. Here's one that was really good. When my wife left me 40 years ago, my father advised me to change the locks and all the doors. If I had listened, I don't think there would have been a restoration and the best marriage that I could ever imagine. Worst advice ever given. It's more satisfying to think that she's the problem. Ah, you'll get over it. Do whatever you want. It's your life. Uh, there's lots more here, but that's, I think that's enough. You got a taste of what some of the people were sharing about bad relations. One of the things is for sure, you can, no matter where you go, you can always find people who are willing to share advice with you. And the key is trying to figure out what is good advice and what is bad advice. It was a hot, humid summer afternoon. It was August 2004, nearly 13 years ago, and I had a light bulb moment. I was sitting in an audience of about 400 people in Moncton, New Brunswick, and I was attending a leadership conference, and Patrick uh, Lencioni was speaking, and he was speaking on trust. Now, I had come to the conference, honestly, with some heavy things on my mind, uh, things about church and staffing and leadership issues. And, and I, feel, I felt like there's something wrong, but I, I, I couldn't put my finger on it. The answer to my problems was, was eluding me. And as I sat there and as I was listening to him speak, about 40 minutes into his uh, talk or lecture, I was like, I know what the problem is. And I leaned over to one of the deacons who was sitting beside me, and I said to him, I know what the problem is. He leaned over and says, I didn't even know we had a problem. <laughs> I said, yeah, we got a big problem. I said, I don't think the staff trust you deacons. And then at the end of that lecture, he said to me, what do you mean? What do you mean we, you don't think the staff trust us? Why would they have... Why wouldn't they trust us? And, and I had listed a few things, and he goes, I, I guess I never thought of that. I said, I hadn't either. But trust had been broken, and boy, it was hard to get it back once that trust had been broken between the staff and leadership. Well, this got me thinking uh, about this series. Trust is one of those foundational building blocks for any kind of relationship. Whether it's with your colleagues, your business partner, your friends, your neighbors, uh, for dating couples, engaged couples, married couples. If trust is missing in the relationship, it will always be a very fragile 
fragile relationship. And so this morning, that's what I wanted to deal with, talk about it, is, is trust. Now, if you grew up in the church or you've hung around church for a long time, you may immediately think, oh, when I think of the word trust, I think of that famous verse, Proverbs 3, 5. Remember that one? Trust in the Lord with whole heart and to your own understanding. Yeah, it's a great verse. I mean, and it's packed with, with truth and, and lots of application. But this morning, I, I don't want to deal with trust as far as your relationship with God, although that is of the utmost importance. I, I'm, I'm, I don't want to deal with the vertical relationship and the trust. Really, this morning, I, I want to deal with the trust with one another. That, that horizontal relationship. We say here uh, around Temple that the main thing that we're all about is connecting people to Jesus and to one another. And that's what I want to deal with this morning. That part of our mission. Well, there's a man in the New Testament who probably without a, date, a doubt had the most profound impact on the church other than Jesus. He's a man who lived on both sides of the fences. What do I mean by that? Well, he lived as a man who despised Christians in his early life. And he made it his mission to wipe out Christians on the face of the earth. Get rid of these kind of people. Not because he didn't love God. Oh, he loved God. He was zealous towards God. Maybe even the most religious person you could ever meet. But boy, he despised Christians. In fact, he despised them so much, he wasn't just interested in getting them out of his city. No, he, he, he wanted them killed. And then one day, literally one day, he had an encounter with Jesus and everything radically changed. I mean radically changed. Once a man who had tried his best to get rid of Christianity. Once the man who ordered the execution of Christians. Once the man who witnessed Christians who were martyred for the faith. Now becomes a man who's willing to lay down his life for the spread of Christianity. Of course, most of you probably would know who he is. It's the Apostle Paul. And he has a few things to say about trust. Uh, this is a man who really had to rebuild trust, who had to build trust, because, because most Christians knew you, would, you avoid this man. Like the, like the Apostle Paul, I mean, he was Saul first, right? And he was the one that went around trying to kill everybody, all the Christians. And now all of a sudden Christians are supposed to trust him? How do we know this is not a ploy? How do we know he's not a spy? And so the Apostle Paul knows what it is to have to build trust. And the Apostle Paul wrote a passage that I, I'd like us to look at this morning. It's probably one of the most famous passages in all the scriptures, it's probably quoted at most weddings. 95% uh, of the Christian weddings I've done, they've used this text. Even a lot of the non-Christian weddings have used this text. This truth that is spoken in this passage of Scripture really echoes true throughout the halls of academia. Psychologists, counselors, advisors all know that this truth is a game changer. The passage of scripture I'm referring to is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 
we know it as the love chapter. When I read 1 Corinthians 13, I often break out into music. Love is in the air. Everywhere you look around. Then I read the next verse and I go, love is in the air. Every sight and every sound. Maybe you don't break out in song when you read that. But here's what we know. Your relationship, my relationships, are no stronger than the trust you have in the relationship. Trust is the bedrock of relationship. If you can't trust, if you don't know how to trust, if you're not willing to trust, honestly, you'll never really engage relationally. There'll always be something that's lacking. Trust is of the utmost importance in any relationship. And without trust, I think it's impossible to have relationships. Now, there are two things that make it hard for you and for me to trust. Number one is what you see. Number two is who you are. What we see and who we are. You know, if someone says to you, I'm going to do something and they don't do it, well then, hey, I've seen it with my own eyes. I, I'm not going to trust them. You know, they promised to do this, but they didn't. That's why I don't trust. But then there's the other one. It's who you are. You know, maybe you grew up in a home where nobody trusted anybody. You know, maybe you grew up in a home and a step-parent caused you to, well, hurt you. And... And now you don't trust. Maybe you had a bad experience in your marriage. Maybe your, your spouse uh, mistreated you, cheated on you. And now you're like, that's it. I will not trust again. You know, maybe it's a, it's a business relationship. Maybe the company promised something and now you've had such a bad experience with that, I will not trust again. I'm done trusting. And the fact is you just have a hard time to trust people. The very idea that I would trust again to you may seem absolutely insane. I have been burned once, I've been burned twice, I've been burned three times, that is enough. No more. And quite frankly, it's hard. It's hard to trust. And yet the Bible says, as a follower of Christ, this is where it's hard, very hard. If you're not a follower of Christ, maybe the, you don't have to worry about this, but if you're a follower of Christ, where we're gonna read, it says, as a Christian, it requires us to be a little flexible when it comes to trust. If you have your Bibles or a smartphone, I think it'll also be on the screen, but let's uh, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 this morning. I know many of you know this. Probably a lot of you haven't even memorized. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And I wanna pick it up in verse four. Love is patient. Yeah, yeah, okay, I heard that before. Love is kind. Mm -hmm. 
It does not envy. Okay. It does not boast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not proud. Heard that before. It's not rude. Well, maybe I should write that down. Uh, it's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. Hmm. It keeps no records of wrong. Uh-oh. That's, let me read that again. I can't be right. No, it says it keeps no record of wrong. Some of us, I think if we're honest, could go to our, one of our rooms in our house and pull out a filing cabinet full of the wrongs that have happened to us. You know, some of you may go all the way back to 2005 in your files. Some of you may say, oh no, I go back to June of 1983. <laughs> and yet here, it says it keeps a record of no wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. What it says after that? It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres always always now you may just say whoa 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 doesn't that sound just a little bit too extreme Donald I mean always yeah it is extreme I think if we said that to the apostle Paul if he was here we'd say you know Paul I think that's a little bit extreme and he perhaps would say you know what if you think it's extreme then you get it then you understand exactly what I'm trying to say. See, love gives the benefit of the doubt. Love is always looking for the positive. Love, as it relates to trust, gives the other person the benefit of the doubt. In fact, I like how Andy Stanley puts it. He says, love looks for the most generous explanation for the other person's behavior. See, there is a gap between what has been promised and what has happened. My kids said they were going to do this, but the reality is this is what they did. My spouse said this, but this is what happened. The company promised me this, but this is what I got. There's this gap between what we have expected and what we experience. Love chooses trust over doubt. Love chooses trust over suspicion. Love chooses trust over skepticism. Love chooses trust over mistrust. Let me explain this with this illustration. This is not my illustration. I ripped this off from somebody. I stole it. You have expectations. All of us. 
We kind of have expectations in certain relationships. Right? You know, I, I expect things um, from my, my spouse. or I expect things from my job. I, I, I expect things from the church. I, I expect things from the school system. I expect things from the doctor. I, I expect things from my relatives. I expect things from my neighbors. I expect, expect things from the police. I expect things from the college that I attend. I, I expect things um, from my teammates. There's this expectation, but then there's the experience. I expected one thing, but my experience has been totally different. Did we not agree? Did we not have an expectation? Did we not sit down last week at the kitchen table and go over our budget together? And we said, here's our bills. Here's how much money's coming in. We're going to stick to the budget. There's an expectation. But then you went ahead and spent outside the budget. And that has been your experience. You said you would finish the project at this time, and now here we are, three weeks later, and the project is not done. And between here and here is this gap. There's a gap between what we experience, or what we expect, and what we experience. And the question's going to be, what will we put in the gap? What will we you and I put in the gap. See, you and I have the power to put something in the gap. To put something in the gap. Now you may say, no, 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 nope, no, Donald, that's not true. The person who didn't meet my expectations has filled in the gap for me. I asked my husband to be home by 6 o'clock so I could go and spend the evening with the girls. And he didn't show up to 9 o'clock. He has filled in the gap. And the reality is no one, no one can control what you put in the gap. What you put in the gap. See, you decide what goes in the gap. And what the Apostle Paul is trying to help us understand, there's always going to be gaps in the relationship. Right? Always. You know, we made an agreement. We said you would no longer hang out with that girl because we believe she's a bad influence on you. And yet last night I heard you went to the movies with her. There was an expectation, but this has been the experience in our home. You, you join a new company, and, and lots of promises are made. And you kind of have this expectation, but then, you know, you're told you have this big bonus, but then the experience is, wow, there was no bonus at all. This big expectation. You know, probably one of the ones that I get wound up about the most, and I shouldn't, I know I shouldn't, is politics. <sighs> conservatives hate liberals, liberals hate conservatives, and they both hate the NDP, right? 
and you know, you're on the campaign and, and they're making all kinds of promises. And then somebody gets voted in and all of a sudden, well, that's not what I expected. I had an expectation. But the expectation is not what it's turned out to be. And the fact is, there's always going to be gaps in every relationship. Not most, but in everyone. And the Apostle Paul says, you have the opportunity to fill in the gap. Here's what you could do. You could fill in the gap by assuming the worst. Right? Or you could fill in the gap by believing the best. Like, you're, like we have the choice of what's going to go here. When there's been an expectation and the experience has not met the expectation, we can go ahead and just assume the worst. Yep. Could have figured that one out. He let me down. That's nothing new. You're just another disappointment. Or we say, you know, I don't, I don't know everything. I'm just going to believe the best until I know more. Like my first response will be, I'm going to believe the best. I'm going to fill in the gap with that instead of assuming the worst. That's why the Apostle Paul says, you know, love and matters of trust, it always believes. It always hopes. It always trusts. It always perseveres. When we go ahead and assume the worst, you know what happens, right? Immediately communication breaks down in the relationship. Right? As soon as you start assuming the worst, totally, relationship breaks down. It's a powerful statement to say, I really want to trust you. I think your best shot of healing any kind of relationship is to be able to say, I, I really want to trust you. I don't know any friendship. I've never heard, maybe you have. I've never heard a friendship who was struggling and someone say to me, that my friend looked me right in the eye and says, I don't trust you. And it, it was a miracle what happened in a relationship. It was so much better. Right? I've never heard in a marriage relationship a spouse say to the other spouse, I don't trust you. And all of a sudden, the romance came back. No. Now, maybe you're here and you're saying, Donald, I think it's because I, I've been burned so much by the same person. I, it's safe to assume the worst because the experience has been that way for me over and over again. So I, uh, how can I believe the best when my experience has been the worst things are always happening? Which is a good question. When you can't choose the trust because of repeated offenses, you have another choice. And that choice is to confront. But here's the problem. We don't like it. We don't like confrontation. You know what we, what's easier to do? 
காசம் much easier i'll be honest with you i i i will walk over a bed of coals try to avoid confrontation i do not like most people don't like it there's probably a four or five percent that love it my sister is really good at it but she does it so graciously which i appreciate do you know what jesus says Do you know what common sense says? That when there is a gap, when there's a gap, there should be a conversation. That's what Jesus says, and that's what common sense would say. The moment there's a gap, have a conversation. I like how it's put this way. Someone said, confronting, asking for an explanation and assuming it's a good one. Asking for an explanation. You know, you said this, but this didn't happen. I, I assume there must be a really good reason for it. Asking for an explanation, but assuming there's a good one. It's hard, though, isn't it, sometimes to confront, let's be honest. Sometimes we just avoid it or... Just let maybe the relationship, the window off. I, I tend to just kind of hold it all in and smile. But in my mind say, I don't really like you. But I smile so they never know. Mm, bless your heart. Mm -hmm. Inside of me, I'm like, poof, poof. <laughs> Let me tell you, this church is no better than the quality of our relationships. Our staff is no better than the quality of our relationships. And when there is a gap in the relationship, it's a big thing when you make the decision to believe the best instead of assume the worst. Uh, something that I'm, I'm learning on this journey, you know, someone comes to me and, and says something about a staff member. I'm learning to be quick to come to their defense because in my mind I go, there's got to be a good reason why this happened. I'm, I'm trying to assume the best. Hmm, that doesn't seem like them. I'm going to assume the best. You know, can you imagine what that would be like? Let's be honest. What would that be like in the area of politics is we assume the best. Hmm. I don't know why they would make that decision. Can you imagine if we assume that with conservatives or liberals or Donald Trump? Like, hmm, there's got to be a good reason for that. Maybe I just don't know the whole story. If my experience begins to erode my trust with you, then honestly, it's my responsibility to come and talk to you. If my experience, I had an expectation in this relationship, but my experience is beginning to erode away, then I need to be the one to come and talk to you. And when I have made an expectation, when I have stated something, and I know after I have stated it, 
that the experience is not going to be what I stated because maybe multiple circumstances. Can you imagine what that would be like if you made this expectation, but before the experience, you, you went and you talked to the person and said, you know what, I said this, but I just want to let you know I'm not going to be able to meet that expectation. I, I thought it was going to. I, I'm not going to be able to. Can you imagine what that would be like if you went ahead of time instead of letting the experience maybe explode? I think most people want to be trusted. I think that's, I think when the Apostle Paul is very extreme here, he says, I'd always trust. Now, you may be here this morning, and quite frankly, it's hard for you to trust. It's hard. You've been burned so many times. It's just, I, Donald, I, I really have a hard time. I really have a hard time trusting. What can, what can I do to break the cycle of mistrust? I think one of the things, have a conversation. Like have a conversation with the person that you're having a hard time. Go up to them and say, you know, I really, I really want to trust you, but boy, I'm struggling. But I want to. Like I really want to trust you. Now this morning, we've been talking about this gap and maybe you're like okay this is confusing expectations you're talking about assuming the worst and believing the best it's too much well if you leave here this morning and you can't remember any of this I ask you to remember just one thing Jesus said it in one statement we kind of know it as the golden rule isn't it Luke chapter 6 Verse 31, Jesus says, do unto others as you would have them do to you. Do unto others as you would want them to do for you. Wouldn't you, if you're in a relationship and there's an expectation but the experience doesn't meet the expectation. Wouldn't you want for them to believe the best? Like, isn't that what you would want? So Jesus says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I would assume each one of us would much rather have someone believe the best in us than assume the worst. Like that's their first thought? Assume the worst? No. The first thought is that I'll believe the best in this relationship. Relationships will always, always be better if we choose to trust. Always is better when we believe the best and not assume the worst. That comes right from God's word. Spoken right from the lips of Jesus. Do unto others as you would have them do for you. Let's pray. Uh, Father, this morning, I recognize our, our time has been short. There's so much to be said about relationships. And Lord, one of the things that is true, truth 
with application makes all the difference. And so, Lord, this morning, we, we don't want to just sit here with truth and then walk away and not do anything with it. It's the application of it that makes the difference. And so, Lord, I, I pray for us as a family here this morning that we would so value relationships in our church, that we would live extreme lives by always believing, always trusting, always hoping, always persevering in our relationships with one another. Lord, we have such a deep desire to connect people to Jesus and we have a deep desire for people to be connected to one another. So Lord, let us take this truth, let's wrestle with it, let's apply it to our lives this week, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.